Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Today our scripture is taken from John chapter 8, verse 12, which says, Then spake Jesus again to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Today there's a lot of darkness in the world. There's a lot of sin, a lot of perversion, a lot of uncleanness, a lot of impurity. But then on the other side we have the Lord Jesus Christ who was sinless, who was clean, who was perfect, who was without blemish, without spot, who has all power and all wisdom and all goodness. And when we have relationship with him, we don't have to walk in the darkness, but we can have the light of life. We can walk by faith and trust him, and he will empower us to do the work of the ministry that he has purposed for our lives here on earth. What a great privilege we have to live in this day and age, to be light in such darkness. This is a radio edition of Global Times. Today we have in our studios two missionaries from the Dominican Republic. We have Carrie and Eddie Ramos, who are presently ministering in the Dominican Republic. And um, they're now taking up a new ministry where they're going to be doing some pastoral work in a church there. And um, the Lord has really blessed them. And I thought today we might start with Carrie. Carrie, why don't you tell us how the Lord has worked in your life and brought you to a place where you would uh, go to the Dominican Republic to be a, a missionary. I grew up in a Christian home my whole life, going to church and being raised as a Christian. When I was in my early 20s, um, I was a teacher and I I had never really given a whole lot of thought to God and, and what He wanted with my life. I went to church on Sunday, but that's about it. And when I was in my mid-20s, I began a new journey, and I started going to a new Bible study, and the Lord really worked in my life in that way and started leading me in a whole new way, and my relationship with Him really changed. And at that same time, I had been a teacher. I lost my job, and I was searching, and I decided just to dedicate my life and my time to God and serve Him wherever He wanted to lead me. I was single, and I had gotten advice from other women who had been single in their 20s and said, take advantage of this time and use this time that you have to 
to serve God. And so that's what I started searching for. And I, I found out about a mission trip that was going down to the Dominican Republic to help construction on a school. And so I went down the whole time knowing, thinking and wondering, feeling like God was tugging my heart that I would possibly be called there. When I got there, I started asking questions because I didn't speak Spanish. You know, do you have American teachers? Do you teach in English? And they said, no, it's Spanish. And all of our teachers are Dominican. So I thought, well, I must have been wrong. God isn't calling me to this place. But after being there about a week, Shelly, the director of the school, talked to me about possibly coming down to be an English teacher. And I said, well, I don't speak any Spanish. And she said, that's okay. We'll make it work. So we we talked about it and I decided to put it in God's hands. And that, that was August. I came back, um, got accepted by Global Outreach and raised all my own support. And by January 5, I was back down there as the English teacher um, dedicated to 18 months. In my time there, I got more involved in the preschool and the administration. And after first 18 months there, Eddie and I decided to get married and we became permanent long-term missionaries with Global Outreach Mission to stay working at the school. So that's my story as far as how I got called into the mission field. That's a great story. We appreciate you sharing it with us. Uh, the Shelly she was talking about is, is Shelly Hernandez, who went down as a missionary with Global, and uh, she had this great vision for a Christian school in a very poor area uh, with a lot of poor kids who are not getting any education at all. And through her vision and her effort, uh, the Lord has provided and has built a, a wonderful school down there, a new school down there. And uh, I'm not sure how many students go there. Could you uh, tell me, Carrie? 250. They have 250 students down there that are not only being educated, but also have a great opportunity to hear and see the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so this has been a tremendous ministry in the Dominican Republic for Global Outreach Mission. I know some of your story. You actually uh, had a friend who went to a youth group, and you wanted to go and see what this youth group was all about, and, and then uh, you went. But uh, it, it didn't have very much impact on you, but you decided to go back to see what the girls looked like. I think that's what he said. <laughs> and so as he was going back and trying to check out these girls, why the Lord uh, worked in his heart and he started uh, reading the Bible and studying the Bible. And he came to Christ at the age of 16. And then, Eddie, why don't you tell us how you got involved with Carrie and with the school down there? Hola, Eddie Ramos. Al principio, después de haber creído en Cristo Jesús, in the beginning, after I accepted Jesus Christ, entregué mi vida completa a él para seguirlo y obedecerlo. I gave God my my entire life to obey Him and follow Him. Comencé a trabajar en el colegio haciendo diferentes o en diferentes áreas. So I started working in the school in different areas. Desde profesor de educación física. From being a PE teacher. Jefe de mantenimiento. Um, leader of the the maintenance department entre otras cosas and other things luego el colegio comenzó a crecer the school started to grow y con él comenzó a, a com comenzamos la construcción del nuevo edificio and from there we started with the construction of the new building llegaron muchos grupos de Estados Unidos para ayudar la obra and many groups started coming from the United States to help with that work. En uno de esos grupos conocí a mi esposa Carrie. And in one of those groups was my wife Carrie. Al principio cuando la conocí y realmente Dios tenía un plan para nosotros. And from the beginning God had a plan for us. 
Después de un tiempo de conocerla, After a while of getting to know each other, nos dimos cuenta de que Dios tenía un plan para nosotros. We realized that God had a plan for us. Un plan que nos gustó porque Dios nos unió. A plan that we were happy about because God brought us together. Nos sentíamos felices porque cada vez nos conocíamos más. And we were happy because we were getting to know each other better. Teníamos la pasión de seguir a Dios. We both had the passion to follow Christ. Teníamos el deseo de, de hacer la obra de Dios. We had the desire to do the work of God. Así como Dios nos dio la oportunidad de servirle a Él juntos. And so God gave us the opportunity to serve Him together. También nos dio la oportunidad de pasar el resto de nuestras vidas sirviéndole. And He gave us the opportunity to pass the rest of our lives serving Him. Como una pareja, eh, como un, una sola pareja. As a, as a united couple. I really appreciate you sharing that story with us. It's a great blessing to see how God has worked in both your lives, brought you to this point where uh, you're both willing to follow the Lord, that you got married, and now you're uh, working in a school. We'll find out about this new ministry next week. The Lord bless you. Thank you so much for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour. We appreciate all those who listen and pray and write in and tell us about their experience and tell us about how our broadcast is meeting needs in our lives. It's always a wonderful blessing to receive letters from those who hear our broadcast. And we trust that God will continue to bless you and pray for us and continue to support our ministries because as you're aware, this is a listener-supported ministry. This month, we're actually offering a wonderful, wonderful book that probably all of us need. It's entitled Trials, God's Refining Fire. And of course, all of us have trials and tribulations and difficult things to face each day. And one of the questions that they ask is, do you ever feel like you're being tested? Have you ever wondered how much more you can take? When the heat of the trial has been turned up yet another notch, how can you hang on to hope? These are wonderful questions to ask. And in this booklet, you can discover how to face your trial positively. You can persevere through your trial patiently. You can finish your trial maturely, you can pray for wisdom consistently, and you can believe in God's answer confidently. Oftentimes, in ways we don't understand, God uses trials in our lives to cleanse us, purify our hearts. Trust Him to use each turbulent trial. He will showcase His faithfulness through your life and will give you peace throughout the process. I highly recommend this booklet. I think it'll be a great blessing to your spiritual life. It will encourage you and it will help you in a mighty way and maybe in ways that you didn't realize. So please write in and get your copy of Trials, God's Refining Fire. You can write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R787, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. Today's message is from Reverend Art Larson, and it's entitled Revival, which is something we all need. Printed copies are available upon request. <laughs> 
There were some fellows who decided to play a trick on a wise old man. One suggested, I'll hide a bird in my hand, and I'll ask if it is dead or alive. If the old man says dead, I'll let it fly away. If he says alive, I'll squeeze it and kill it. So hiding the bird, he asked the old man, is it dead or alive? The wise old man said, it's as you will. And the young fellow didn't know what to do, so he just let the bird go. So it is with your life and my life. We're in God's hand, and God has given you the gift of choice. It's in life's choices of right and wrong that either joy or misery come. Every day you make a choice. You choose right or wrong, God or Satan, heaven or hell. It's as you will, and it's His will, and His love, and His desire for you, that should lead you to say, not my will, but yours be done, Lord. I choose you. I choose your way, not my way. I want to conclude our series of messages on revival today by looking again at its definition and another question that Jesus asked, this time in Luke chapter 6. Remember, revival is a time when God draws near and manifests His holy presence. It's an extraordinary work of God producing extraordinary results. It's a time when Christians are restored to their first love for Christ, when sham and hypocrisy are exposed, when bitterness and strife are revealed and changes are affected in the lives of believers because of their choices to make Jesus Lord and Master of their lives and everything that they do. When new life pulsates in the church, because revival is supremely Jesus, God-centered, and utterly Holy Spirit-dominated, it's a spiritual awakening. We can't think rightly about revival unless we think rightly about the Lord Jesus Christ's place in revival. Remember the three prayers you can pray every day. Habakkuk 3.2, O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, remember mercy. Psalm 85, 6, Wilt thou not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in thee? But Psalm 143, 11 makes it so personal. Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake. Gypsy Smith, the great evangelist, once said, If you want to have a revival, draw a big circle on the floor of your room and then kneel inside that circle and say, Lord, send a revival inside this circle. That's where it starts. And we've been considering questions Jesus asked in the gospel that search our hearts, particularly about revival. The first one, one was found in Matthew 16:15, a question about our relationship to him, our confession of him as Savior and Lord. Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? Are you really saved, friend? In revival, many professing Christians in any given church find that they have never been truly saved. They only have a head knowledge, and they repent and get saved and receive Christ as their Savior and Lord during times of revival. The second question Jesus asked, we looked at in Matthew 26:40, a question about our communion. What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Prayer is the key to everything. It's certainly the key to revival. If you're a strong Christian, it's because you pray. If your church is a strong church, it's because it's a praying church. God says if we will call upon him, he will answer us and show us great and mighty things that we know not of. If we humble ourselves and pray, seek his face, and turn from any wicked ways in our life, he will hear from heaven, forgive our sin, and then he will heal our land. We need to pray. The third question had to do with our comprehension of who Jesus really is. This question was found in John 14 and verse 9, when Jesus had said to his disciples, if you know the Father, it's because you have seen him. And Philip said, Lord, we don't understand what you're saying. How can we see the Father? Show us the Father. And Jesus replied with this question, have I been so long a time with you, Philip, and you still don't know me? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. 
Father. Do we comprehend that Jesus is the Jehovah of the Old Testament? He is God manifest in human flesh. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He came in human form to reveal who God is and what God is like. He was God manifest in a human body. And when he gives us a commission, we must realize that all authority is given to him in heaven and in earth, just as he said. Do we understand who he is? Do we want to know him better? Are we getting to know him through the word? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We grow in grace and knowledge of him through the word. Revival is often called re-Bible. Christians' Bibles come alive to them again, and they are at every service, not just once on a Sunday to do their own thing the rest of the week. They read their Bibles. They bring their Bibles to church. They study their Bibles. They take notes on the messages. They come to Bible studies. They come to church services. They take notes on what others speak on radio and television, and they share the Word of God that they learn with others. They become more and more like Jesus, growing in grace and knowledge of Him, becoming like Him. Remember what Warren Wiersbe said, when the child of God looks into the Word of God and sees the Son of God, they are changed by the Spirit of God into the image of God for the glory of God. And then we saw another question about our conviction. John 21, verse 15, Jesus asked, Do you love me more than these? Is there anyone or anything you love more than Jesus? The church in Ephesus, as recorded in Revelation chapter 2, had left its first love. Charles Finney said revival is Christians returning to their first love and letting Christ have all of their affections. Have you left your first love? Is Jesus first, most, and best in your life? And then we saw a fifth question in John 13, 38. Will you lay down your life for me? This question concerns our consecration. Are we truly committed to Christ as Lord? Would we be willing to lay down our lives for him? Or are we wasting our time and our money on things that will pass away, serving ourselves, serving things instead of him? That brings us to the last question. It's found in Luke 6 and verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? It would be good for you to read the entire chapter of Luke chapter 6, because it's like the Beatitudes that Matthew records in his gospel in chapters 5, 6, and 7. Before Jesus asks this question, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say, he teaches us here in Luke 6 what he wants us to do, and then that question really shakes us. Listen as we consider these things. Verse 31, Jesus said, just as you want others to do for you, you also do to them likewise. In verse 36, Jesus said, therefore be merciful just as your father is merciful. In verse 38, Jesus said, give and it shall be given to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. For men shall give unto your bosom, for with the same measure that you measure, it shall be measured to you again. Have you learned the joy of giving? Jesus taught it's more blessed to give than to receive. You can't outgive God. God has a bigger shovel than you and, you and me. Jesus said, if you give it, it'll be given to you again. Good measure measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over. With what measure you measure, it will be measured to you again, and then some. No wonder so many Christians live shallow lives. They've never learned the joy of giving time, talent, and tithe to the Lord. The more you give, the more he gives back. And then Jesus adds, Luke 6, verse 39, Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? How terrible when a blind person spiritually tries to lead other blind people spiritually. They both fall into the ditch. Now, if you have a pastor who is godly and who studies the word of God to show himself approved unto the Lord and who sees spiritual truth because he's been born again, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, illuminated by the Spirit of God, if you have a pastor like that, thank God for him, pray for him, 
him. Serve with him. Let him lead you. Let him lead you into the light, out of darkness, into the marvelous light of Christ. Listen and obey the truth of God's word as it is preached. For the Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Jesus said in verse 40 of Luke 6, The disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his teacher. What is he saying? He's saying the disciple is one who, being fully trained, becomes fully mature like his teacher, like teacher, like pupil. It's the principle of life, like pastor, like people, like father, like son, like mother, like daughter, like grandparents, like grandchildren. You see, you're not an island to yourself. The way you live influences others in what you say and what you teach makes an indelible mark on their life. In verses 41 and 42, Jesus said, you can't pick the speck out of your brother's eye when you have a plank in your eye. It's almost humorous, but it certainly means don't have a critical spirit. Then Jesus went on to teach in verses 43 and 44, a good tree cannot bring forth corrupt fruit, and a corrupt tree does not bring forth good fruit. This is the problem we face in the church today. We have people professing to be a good tree, to be saved, to be born again, and they bring forth corrupt fruit. Their lives are filled with sin. They evidence no transformation. If anyone be in Christ, the Bible says they are a new creation. Old things pass away and all things become new. We have multitudes of people who claim to be good trees but are bringing forth corrupt fruit. And Jesus said that can't be. A corrupt tree doesn't bring forth good fruit and a good tree surely doesn't bring forth corrupt fruit. Every tree is known by its own fruit. Jesus continued, For from thorns men do not gather figs, nor from the bramble bush do they gather grapes. In verse 45 he said a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. And then this great question, Luke 6, 46. With that tremendous introduction of what we are to do, Jesus then says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? How tragic. He went on to give this illustration of what he was saying. Jesus said, Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you to whom he's like. He's like a man who built a house, dug deep, laid the foundation on a rock. When the floods arose, the storm beat vehemently upon the house. It could not shake it because it was founded upon a rock. But Jesus said, he that hears and does not do what I say is like a man who builds a house upon the earth, upon the sinking sand with no proper foundation. And when the storms and streams beat vehemently upon that house, it immediately falls. And the ruin of that house is great. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? That reminds me of another passage in which Jesus used similar words. He said in Matthew chapter 7, In the judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, same words. We've prophesied in your name. We've cast out demons in your name. We've done many wonderful works. And then he will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. I never knew you. But they'll say, Lord, Lord. Oh, but Jesus is going to say to them, but you did not do. You only called me, Lord. You did not do. You only said. Jesus has taught us, if you love me, he said, keep my commandments. Do what I say. 
be obedient to me. If he's Lord and master of our lives, then we will do what he asks us to do. We will follow him. We will find out in his word what he wants us to do, and we will obey. We'll deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him. We'll forsake all that we have to follow him. Jesus said, if you don't do these things, you can't be my disciples. You're just saying words that mean nothing. To forsake all you have means to surrender claim to it and to say, Lord, everything I am and have and ever hope to be, it's all yours, so I give it to you. I give myself totally to you. Then it's not so hard to give your money and your time and your talent to him. If you want to please God, find out what he likes and do it. Find out what he doesn't like and don't do it. You find out by reading and studying your Bible. That's God's manual for living right. Now listen as I close to what happened in Canada and the United States about 120 years ago. David Mitchell writes, on Hudson Taylor's first visit to Canada and the U.S. in 1888, the China Inland Mission in North America began, and an era of international missions was launched. By the way, that mission is now called Overseas Missionary Fellowship, a great mission. For the two days that Hudson Taylor participated in the Bible conference at Niagara-on-the-Lake, David Mitchell continues, he spoke on consecration to God in a remarkable way. The immediate result of those meetings those years back was a tremendous financial giving sufficient, in fact, to support 15 missionaries to China for one whole year. In the ensuing weeks, at Dwight L. Moody's College then in Northfield, Massachusetts, and then later at meetings in Hamilton and Toronto, Ontario, more than 50 young people offered themselves to go with the pioneer missionary Hudson Taylor to China. In spite of the fact that he could not guarantee a salary, only hardship and danger inherent in taking the gospel to the lost multitudes of the vast interior of that land, it was a response of willing consecration, and within three months, the first contingent of 14 new missionaries had sailed from Vancouver for China. Consecration is a sacred thing. It means to be totally offered up. And when we say, Lord, Lord, we do the things that he says, and we really mean it. But if we say, Lord, Lord, and do not the things which he says, we're disobedient, and disobedience is sin. That's why we need revival. Either we're not saved, and we claim to be a good tree, but bring forth corrupt fruit, or we are saved and have not learned to give of ourselves and all that we have. We are placing everything on a foundation of sinking sand. Are you doing that? If so, you're going to leave it all behind. Why not say instead, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take myself and I will be ever only all for thee. Revival. Wilt thou not revive thy work? Revive us again? Revive me so that I will be one who not just says Lord, Lord, but who proves that he's Lord by obedience and doing what he says we should do. A fellow was once told who was struggling with this, write the words, no, Lord, on the top of the paper and then cross out one of them for they can never stay there together. If you say no, he is not Lord. If you say Lord, you can never say no. And after a great struggle, God enabled him to erase the word no and just leave the word Lord. He then signed his name at the bottom of that blank page and said, Lord, whatever you ask me to do, I will do it. Wherever you ask me to go, I will go. Whatever you ask me to say, I will say. Whatever you ask me to be, I will be by your grace and by your strength. When revival comes, folks, that's what people who profess Christianity will begin to reveal. Remember, Jesus is either Lord of all or he is not Lord at all in your life. Make him Lord today and you will have a personal revival. I trust the message you just heard will be a great encouragement and blessing to you. And maybe some of the truths taught there will even help you throughout this next week. Here at Kansas National Bible Hour, we're so 
concerned about our listeners. But one of the things that you also are concerned about is not only the growth of believers, but also those who maybe listen to this broadcast and don't know Jesus Christ personally. You need to have a personal relationship with the God of the universe. It's the only way to get into his presence. Jesus, when he was on earth, said, I'm the way. He's the only way. I'm the truth. He's the only truth. He's the only way. I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father except through, through the Lord Jesus Christ. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us need a Savior because of that sin. God is a holy God, and he won't be in the presence of sin. And uh, that's why the Old Testament was really written, to show the children of Israel uh, what things uh, would cause sin in your life. And then you'd have to make a sacrifice to uh, appease that sin, to get yourself right with God, and it, it required the shedding of blood. Jesus shed his blood on the cross of Calvary. He was a perfect sacrifice. Because he shed his own blood, we have the privilege of asking him to become part of our life. We acknowledge that we need a Savior because we're sinners, and we need him in our life so that we can have connection with the Most High God. The verse that I came to faith in is, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And I claimed that verse as a 12-year-old, and that verse changed my whole life. I've served the Lord for over 50 years now, and God has blessed me and my family and our ministry to a great extent. Please write in and get your copy of Trials, God's Refining Fire. It will be such a blessing to your life, to your spiritual life. It'll help you grow. It'll help you have a new perspective. You can write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R787, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. You can also hear past messages on Canada's National Bible Hour by visiting our website.org. That was www.missiongo-radio.org. Mission Go is spelled M-I-S-S-I-O-N-G-O-radio.org. You can also find us on your smartphone app. Uh, we are called MGO Radio. It's a Christian online radio station. Speakers you hear are on Canada's National Bible Hour as well as others. And also have really good Christian music. And you can actually tune in all day and it will be a real blessing to you.